Praise God. Well, you may go ahead and be seated. Praise the Lord. I am delighted and I am honored. It's always a privilege to bring the Word of God. And what a good-looking group to preach to today. We had a wonderful time in the first service. And I know that the Spirit of God is here in the midst of us. And He is going to speak to our hearts. I'm talking today about... The prayer, prayer of God, powerful prayer. If I was going to title this this morning, I would borrow a phrase from a good friend of ours. And I'm titling this armed and dangerous. Did you know that you've got the power? You've got the ability to change things in the realm of the spirit. Not because of you, not because of your works, but because of who lives. On the inside of you. How many born again, Holy Ghost filled believers are in the house tonight? Well, you know, then you are armed and you are dangerous to the kingdom of the devil. But I think it's a good thing for all of us to be reminded that we can stir up the gift of God on the inside of us. We can stir up that spirit of prayer on the inside of us. I don't care how long you've been born again. You may have been born again 80 years. You may have been filled with the Holy Ghost 50 years. I'm getting close to that myself. But you know what? I'm still growing. I'm still developing. None of us have arrived. None of us have tapped in to all that heaven has to offer. God's power and God's ability has been released in the earth. But folks, we have something to do with how much is released in our life, how much is demonstrated in our midst. So during this season of prayer, I believe we're all going to get stirred up on the inside of us and we are going to pray more effectively and we're going to see tremendous power made available. Let me ask you a question this morning. If, if your prayer life was the power plant responsible for providing electricity to your house, would there be light in your house or would you be sitting in the dark? Thought provoking question. Amen. Well, today we're going to find out how each and every one of us can have more potential released when we pray. I like these defin- these uh, statements out pr- about prayer. Prayer is all sufficient. It is a treasure undiminished. It is a mind which is never exhausted. It is a sky unobscured by clouds. It is a heaven unruffled by the storm. It is the root. It is the fountain. It is the mother of a thousand blessings. And you know, when we pray, it is not us trying to talk God in the notion of doing something. It is not us trying to overcome God's reluctance. Oh God, please. Oh God, please. Oh God, please. No, it's us responding to his provision. Hallelujah. Today, We are all going to, I believe we're going to tap into a greater degree of that power. Have you got any areas in your life that you'd like to see some change in? You got any mountains that you'd like to be removed in the name of Jesus? You got any relatives that need to be born again? You know anybody that needs any change in their life? Not just your husband with his issues, but anybody else, right? (laughs) 
Well, there's power that's available. We need to know that. We need to tap into that. We need to be aware of the day and the hour in which we live in. It's not a time for us to hide our head in the sand. It's not a time for us to be dull, dry, and dead spiritually. It's a time for us to be revived. A time for us to be aware of what's going on around us. Now, today we are not going to magnify the devil. He is a defeated foe. But you know, we need to be aware that we have an enemy. There's some Christians that that want to pretend like the devil doesn't exist. He does exist. He is defeated. Jesus whipped him. Jesus spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly. But we need to be aware of his attacks. The church, we are going to be aware of his devices so that we can stop them in the name of Jesus. I'm declaring over this group here that we are aware, we are alert, we are awake. And we are anointed and we are appointed for this day and for this hour to destroy the works of the devil. We are armed and dangerous. Everybody say that. I am armed and dangerous. I do much damage to the kingdom of darkness. And for us to be, we need to be aware again of his devices. So let's look over at some scriptures here. Second Corinthians chapter 2 Verse 11. We'll look at this in the New King James Version. 2 Corinthians 2.11. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, we are not ignorant of his devices. I'm not calling people ignorant, but there are some ignorant Christians in the world. They are clueless. Of what's going on around them. Clueless of what the devil is. They're all confused on, well, the the devil did this and the devil did that. They don't even realize that the devil is attacking them. But not this bunch. Amen? In the Amplified, just one phrase of that, it says, We're not ignorant of his wiles or his intentions. Have you ever wondered about somebody's intentions? Have you ever kind of questioned what their motive was? You know, back way back in the old, old, old days when people would begin to court. You know, for all of you younger ones, that means date. (laughs) And maybe a a young man would show up at, at somebody's home and he would ask her father if he could court her and after a while they may be dating they may be spending some time together and it's been a prolonged amount of time and so the father finally sets the young men down and says all right young man i want to know what your intentions are are you just playing around here or do you intend to marry my daughter that's really what intention is it's a plan of action. Well, we know that the devil does not have any good intentions. We don't have to wonder what his intentions are. John 10, 10 tells us that he came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's his intentions. But guess what? Jesus whipped him. He is a defeated foe, but we cannot do battle with him. We cannot defeat him in the natural. The Bible tells us what our weapons are and how we go about 
enforcing his defeat. We're in 2 Corinthians. Look over at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. And we'll look at this in the Amplified Version. Hallelujah. Everybody still here? 2 Corinthians 10, 4 in the Amplified. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons. They're not of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and the destruction of strongholds. What kind of weapons? They're not physical weapons, but they are mighty. Everybody say mighty. I got mighty weapons that overthrow the kingdom of darkness. And I like how it says that the destruction of strongholds. Now, I know for a period of time there was some extremes, you might say, in the body of Christ that everything was a stronghold and we got to pull down this and pull down that stronghold. And things may have got a little out of balance. But anytime there's an extreme like that, that does not negate the fact that there is the real. And there are strongholds. The enemy tries to set up strongholds over cities, strongholds over people's lives, and they must be dealt with, but they cannot be dealt with in the natural realm. That's why, you know, you can do whatever you want to do, but to go out and to protest this and to protest that and, you know, to try to get people to act morally. You know, people are not going to act morally and they're not going to change until they've had a heart change. Many of these things that we think are political issues, they are actually spiritual issues and they need to be dealt with. In the realm of the spirit, there needs to be some pulling down of some strongholds. There needs to be some invading of the devil's territory that he thinks belongs to his. And take it back in Jesus' name and enforce his defeat. These weapons that we have, they are not carnal, but they are mighty. These weapons that he has given to us are here in the word of the living God. And we need to know what they are and we need to know how to use them effectively. Uh, by way of illustration, let's say that perhaps you witnessed a horrible crime and they wanted you to be the key witness in this case. So they said to you, because you saw this, we are going to put you in protective custody. We're going to make sure that you're taken care of until this court date. So they put you away in this little safe house and they send somebody there to guard and to protect you. And while, as you're sitting there waiting, Barney Fife shows up. <laughs> Date myself, the Andy Griffin show. I mean, this guy is a mess. He's all his uniforms all ruffled up and all this stuff. And, and you know, you're getting a little concerned. And so you say to him, hey, are you armed? Are you dangerous? Are you packing? And he goes, oh, I knew I forgot something. You know, like Gomer Pyle used to say, golly, I forgot something. I'll be right back. So he goes back to get his weapon. And he comes back with his weapon in a box. It's not assembled. A part here, a part there. So you're getting a little more concerned. And you're like, have you ever used this? Do you know how to fire it? Uh, actually, no. I've never even put it together. I have no clue how to load it. But it sure does look nice, doesn't it? Would you feel very safe? You'd say, not next. Send me somebody else. 
send me somebody that looks threatening to the devil. Send me somebody that knows how to use their weapon. They at least have it assembled and they certainly know how to load it. They're not going in a time of crisis, try to load it and get the, the bullet in there backwards and shoot us and blow us up. They're going to know how to load this weapon. Well, you know what? There's a lot of Christians walking around. They got this fancy Bible, awesome cover on it. Oh, it looks brand new. The pages are sticking together because they've never been opened. It's why it looks like it's in such good shape. Looky here, my Bible's used. I got pages falling out because I know how to use my weapon. I spend time in the Word of the living God. But there's too many Christians walking around with their 25 pound brand new Bible, but they don't have a clue about what is in it. There's no power been released in their lives. I want to give you just a few of our weapons this morning. How about the word of the living God as a weapon? The Bible tells us, we'll just quote the first part of it. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 in the Amplified. This is what the Bible has to say about the word of the living God. For the word that God speaks, it's alive. It's full of power. It's active. It's operative. It's energizing. And it is effective. It is effective. When you know what the word of God says, when you take the promises of God and you get them on the inside of you and you begin to declare and you begin to speak them forth under the unction of the Holy Ghost, it shakes the kingdom of darkness. Hallelujah. The Bible says the word of God does not return to him void. What does that mean? The word that you speak out of your mouth contains power. It's got energizing power in it. And it does not return void. It's active. It's alive. It's energizing. It's working. It's working. It's working. It's working. When you speak the word of God in your devotional time, when you speak the word as a confession, it changes things and it changes you. And when you pray the word of the living God, you know that you are praying in line with the perfect will, with the perfect plan of the word of God. It is God's will that all men be saved. We take the scriptures and we declare, Lord, you're not willing that any should perish. We declare you're giving us the precious fruit of the earth. Men are precious unto God. The lost is precious unto him. We speak the word of God and it produces power. Amen. Amen. What's another weapon that we should know about? How about the name of Jesus? The name of Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11, it says, Therefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him the name. I love that. It says the name. It's not a name. 
It's not Muhammad. It's not Buddha. It's the name which is above every name. That at the name of what? Everybody say it three times. Jesus. 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 At the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow of those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everybody say that. Jesus Christ is Lord. Say this. Jesus Christ is my Lord. God hath given him a name. And at the very mention of that name, heaven stands at attention at the mention of the name of Jesus. That's why we're told to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Because the name of Jesus gives you access. The name that is above every name. It's not in our name. It's not in any other name. But the name of Jesus is a weapon. The name of Jesus causes hell to tremble to this day. At the mention of his name, heaven stands at attention and hell trembles. Because the devil remembers what Jesus, Jesus Christ our Lord did to him. Use the name that is above every name. And what about the blood? Oh, the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is a weapon. Revelation 12, 11, and they overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. There's overcoming power in the blood. There's keeping power in the blood. There's prospering power in the blood. There's preservation power in the blood. There's protecting power in the blood of the lamb we will never cease to talk about the precious blood of the lamb there are some circles in the church world that says oh we shouldn't talk so much about the blood we need to take all the blood songs out because they're scaring our kids the only person the only thing that's afraid of the blood is the devil And he inspires people not to talk about the blood. But I want to declare to you today, make much of the blood and the blood will make much of you. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, we plead the blood of Jesus. And when you are praying, you see it in the realm of the spirit. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. We We draw a bloodline. We draw a bloodline around ourselves, around our property, around our family, around this church. Around the Bay Area, around our nation, the blood is a token and it speaks to the terrorist. The blood is a token and it speaks to the devil and all of his cohorts. And that blood says no trespassing. Where the blood 
is applied, access is denied to the devil. Hallelujah. Make much of the blood. Use it as a weapon. Use the power in the blood of Jesus. And I submit to you today that prayer is also a weapon. Let's turn over to James chapter 5 verse 16. Hallelujah. You know, I try to be quiet and be nice to my voice, but I can't help it. I get excited about the word of God. Hallelujah. James chapter 5 verse 16. We'll just read the last part of it. The earnest heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. There is no other force that can yield so much power and impact all three realms of heaven, earth, and hell like powerful, purposeful prayer. Can powerful, purposeful prayer. What does it do? It destroys yokes. It removes burdens. It annihilates disease. Hallelujah. It brings breakthroughs through barriers. It gets rid of depression. It makes a way where there seems to be no way. It demolishes strongholds of the devil. Folks, we got the power. We got the weapons. Hallelujah. And in this verse, it says it makes tremendous power available that is dynamic in its working. That word dynamic in the Greek. I know I don't say it right, but dunamis. And that same root word in the Greek is where we get our word dynamite. Dynamite. What does dynamite do? Dynamite blows things up. Dynamite blows hindrances out of the way. Dynamite gets rid of boulders. You know when they were building the the roads out here to the west. How the west was won. It wasn't just won by John Wayne and the cowboys. The west was conquered by people being able to build Roads, So people would have access to the West. How did they build those roads? They had to blow up mountains. They had to get rid of hindrances. They had to go around this and go around that. But dynamite was a powerful force in getting over the Rockies, in building tunnels, all those things. Dynamite blows things out of the way. Dynamite destroys roadblocks. There's power that is available and we need to unleash. We need to light the fuse of that dynamite power that has been given to us. I've used this illustration many times, but I'll, I'll quote Brother Hagin. I can't improve on it, so I'm going to use it again. Many of you know my story. I grew up in a land far, <laughs> far Far away, called rural Oklahoma. Lived by a different standard there. <laughs> probably, 
everywhere it's by a different standard these days. But anyhow, in that far, far, far away land, we were allowed to buy firecrackers around the July 4th. There was no restriction. I mean, you could buy things that could blow your hand off if you wanted to. I mean, they were more like little bombs, really. You could buy all these huge firecrackers. So, of course, we wanted to do that. My brother Ricky and I were just awful. We would buy these firecrackers. Black cats were some of our favorite. And to get more power out of them, you'd twist them together. We'd blow anything up we could get our hands on. Some of you don't know what dried cow pies are, but we'd stick them in there, blow those things up. See if they'd splatter on our baby brother, you know. Blow cans up. This was absolutely the worst. Don't send me any cards or letters. But we had all sorts of dead critters on the farm. So if we found anything dead, mostly little frogs, little dead fish by the pond, we'd blow them up. And when you work so hard to get as much power released as possible, and you'd go to light it, and sometimes it goes. We wanted a kaboom. I mean, it would go, psh, no power. You know what we would say? We'd get mad and say, it's a dud. It's a dud. It looks like a firecracker, but there must not be any power in it. It's a dud. And we get mad because we wanted power. We wanted explosion. We wanted a kaboom in the realm of the natural there. You know what I'm saying? And as I was thinking about that, some Christian's prayer of life, are like that. They're full of flowery religious expressions. Thouest, doest, willest, winnest. Very religious. Very flowery. But you know what Jesus said to some people that were praying like that in his midst? He wasn't impressed. He didn't like it much. He called it vain repetition. In another place, the Bible talks about having the form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. I think sometimes that God looks down from heaven and people have out their little, their little religious prayers and they're trying to pray something. And he's going, for heaven's sake, you're a dud. I didn't create you to be a dud. Light the fuse. Get some fire in you. Get the fire of the Holy Ghost. Let the fire of the Holy Ghost set you on fire. And you'll throw away your little form prayer. And you'll start praying with some power. You'll start praying from the innermost of your being. That scripture we just read in James chapter 5, 16. The earnest heartfelt, heartfelt, heartfelt powerful prayer comes not from the head. It comes from the heart. The weapons of our warfare, they are not natural. You cannot defeat the devil through reasoning. You can't sit down and say, okay, devil, I'm not going to bother you if you don't bother me. Let's cut a deal here. Let's have a nice little conversation. It ain't going to work. You got to do it in the realm of the spirit. Heart felt 
continued prayer of what kind of a man? A righteous man. A righteous man. People that do not know who they are in Christ Jesus. They have no idea. They think they are unworthy worms. They think they're supposed to crawl into the throne room through the back door. I don't think the throne room even has a back door. (laughs) Doesn't have windows. Doesn't have back doors. Doesn't have a trap door. He said, come boldly. 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 To the throne room of grace. A righteous person is somebody that knows I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Not because of me, but because of what he has done. I have access to the throne room of grace. I am in right standing with him. It's not of my righteousness. That's where people get tripped up. Of course it's not of your righteousness. All of your righteousness, the Bible says, is as filthy rats. But it's not about us. It's about him. It's about taking on what he has done for us. It's about being clothed in the anointing of God. Putting on the royal robe of righteousness. Taking the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying from our heart. And it makes tremendous power available dynamic in its working. There's been some boundaries. There's been some barriers that the devil has tried to put up. But today, this is what I want to center in on the rest of this message. Today, I want you to know we have a God of the breakthroughs. There's no barrier There's no bondage. There's nothing, no roadblock, no hindrance that the enemy tries to establish that the power of God cannot and will not annihilate. It will destroy it. So we want to talk about the Lord of the breakthroughs. Wonderful biblical example. Over in 2 Samuel chapter 5. Before we read a couple of verses there, let me give you a little bit of background. This is right after David had recently been made king over Israel. There had been many battles that had been won, many enemies that had been defeated. But he gets word that the Philistines have established a stronghold in the valley of Rahim. And you know, he had a history with the Philistines. Remember that guy by the name of Goliath? He was a Philistine. And I'm sure David could have been tempted to say, Oh, no, not those guys again. Not the Philistines again. Have you ever felt like that? You've won a victory. You've won a battle. You've defeated the devil in a certain area. And then a year later, here comes back up again. Oh, no, not that again. But David didn't have that kind of attitude. I'm sure he could have been tempted to. But this is what he did when he heard the word. Let's look down at verse 19 of 2 Samuel chapter 5. David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? 
Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will surely deliver them into your hands. He'd heard those similar words before. Remember in the city of Ziglag when the enemy came in and they stole his wives, his children, all of his possessions. He's seeking the Lord and the Lord said, Pursue and you will recover all. This was similar. David had heard those words before. But what happened when he got this news? Did he whine? Did he bawl? Did he squall? Did he say, oh, no, not those guys again. Oh, no, we're defeated. No, he inquired of the Lord. He prayed. When you're facing a difficult situation, when you're up against a barrier or a roadblock has come in your path. It's not the time to sit down and act defeated. It's the time to seek the Lord. It's the time to say, okay, God, where's the answer? Because my Bible says there hath no temptation taken you except that he hath provided a way of escape. Anything that comes against you, God knows the answer to that. Anytime we seek the Lord, we inquire of him. He will give you the way to victory. He will show you the way out. The power will be released to blow that thing out of the way because he always causes us to triumph. He always gives us the victory. We have the victory in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't care what it might look like now. We're not looking at what's right in front of us. We're not looking at the problem. We're looking at the answer and we're declaring victory in Jesus name. So David inquired of the Lord. Now look down at verse 20. And David came to Baal Perazim, and he smote them there. And he said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me. Woo! Like the bursting out of great waters. So he called, he named it. He named that place. He called the name of that place. Bel Perazim, the Lord of the breaking through. Everybody say that. The Lord of the breaking through. Say it again. The Lord of the breaking through. Our God is the God of the breakthrough. These Philistines showed up on the scene. They established a battle line. You know what? They were trespassing. That valley that they were in, that didn't belong to them. It belonged to the children of Israel. But they were just testing David. I'm sure they were just going to see. What's he going to do now that he's king? Has he gotten soft? Has he become a whip? Let's just go in here and let's take this valley. Let's just see what happens. They st- they made a line and they said, we're standing. You're not going to get this valley. But oh, hallelujah, the Lord of the breakthrough showed up on the scene. Don't you let the devil have any territory in your life. If he's come in and he's stolen anything, you ought to have this uh, attitude. I'm going to the enemy's camp and I'm taking back. 
what he tried to steal from me. Any territory that he's tried to take, he's taken it unlawfully. It doesn't belong to him. So you get that attitude that David had. I'm going in there, we're breaking through, and we're taking back that valley. Those stinking Philistines are not going to take our valley. They're not going to take our property. It belongs to us. It belongs to God's people. There are things that belong to you that the devil's tried to hinder from coming to pass in your life. Your health, that's from God. Your blessing, your prosperity. What about in our nation? The enemy's come in and he's tried to take some territory. He's tried to position himself to make it look like we're not a godly nation. But during this season of prayer, we're praying for our nation. We're declaring the Lord of the breakthroughs is breaking through and our nation shall return to God. Our nation shall serve the Lord. We're establishing some territory. This is our territory. This is our domain. Hallelujah. We live here. We have authority in our nation. We have authority in the Bay Area. You have authority in your family. Don't let the devil take any territory. The Lord of the breakthrough is breaking through. Hallelujah. He always provides a way to victory. Now listen to what some of these definitions of breakthrough mean. I love this one. A military offensive thrust that penetrates an enemy's line of defense in warfare. Did you hear that? A military offensive, offensive thrust. Offensive. We are not on the defense. We are not. We aren't going to be like the little lady that got up and testified and said, I just want to praise the Lord. You know, the uh, devil's been after me all week. Bless his holy name. And, you know, I'm all of that kind of stuff. I've got the devil on the run. I'm running and he's chasing me. No, that's not having the devil on the run. We're not running from him. We are not on the defense. We are on the offense. If you read in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning with verse 10, about the armor of God, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, our feet. Shod with the gospel of peace. There is nothing in there for your backside. Don't run from the devil. Have the attitude. You want to mess with me? You want to mess with my family? You want to mess with my church? If it's a battle that you want, I'm informing you right now that you are already defeated and you are going to lose. But I will stand toe to toe to you. I am not backing up. I am not running because I've got overcoming power. Hallelujah. I overcome you by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. I know how to use my weapons. And then listen to this other definition. An act of overcoming or penetrating an obstacle or a restriction. Overcoming an obstacle or a restriction. Have you ever visited somewhere and maybe a museum or something and you wanted to go in this certain area and they had all these ropes up and they said, oh no, you can't go in there. That's a restricted area. It has limited access. You know what? The devil is a liar. And he has tried to tell some of you that you are restricted. 
He's tried to tell some of you that you are limited. He's tried to lie to some of you and say, you'll never rise above where you're at right now. Put a ceiling on you. Make you feel like you're in a box telling you all this stuff that's not true. Nobody in your family's ever gone to college. Nobody in your family's ever owned their business. Nobody in your family's ever risen above this. Nobody in your family's ever broken through and gotten out of this neighborhood, gotten out of this situation. He's trying to put some restrictions and some limitations on God's people. But it's time for us to rise up and say, no, I am not restricted. I'm breaking through that barrier of restriction. I am not limited because I serve an unlimited God. Hallelujah. Take the limits off of God. The restrictions are not from God. The restrictions and limitations are not in your spirit. They are lies They are strongholds in your mind. Take the word of God. Take the name of Jesus. Take the blood of the lamb and pull those strongholds down in Jesus' name. Rise up to what he has called you to be and he has created you to be. Break through those barriers. You got any areas you need to have some breakthroughs in? How about some health issues? He's a liar. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Don't let him put health restrictions on you. How about in the area of your finances? Anybody could use some breakthroughs in the area of finances. How about relationship relationship issues? breakthroughs in that area. As we go into this season of prayer, we're going to be praying corporately about a lot of things. Breakthrough for our nation, breakthrough in this church. But I want to encourage you to take some time to write down some areas that you are believing for in breakthroughs. If you're believing for nothing, guess what? That's what you're going to get. Nothing! If you're satisfied with the whole hum, the status quo, and staying the same, guess what? That's where you'll stay. But I'm declaring that in this church, we are aware, we are alert, we are awake, and we are breaking through some barriers. Hallelujah. We are breaking through some restrictions. Hallelujah. We are taking the limits off of God Almighty because God is almighty. God is all powerful. We serve the God with whom there are no impossibilities. Nothing is impossible with our God. I don't know if you're getting this today or not. You know, when it comes to the things of the spirit, when it comes to a spirit of prayer, sometimes things are better caught than taught. I was thinking about it this week and I thank God for it. The times that we've been able to sit at the feet of men and women that know God better than we knew God. That men and women that were proficient in prayer. I started thinking about the times that 
Dad Hagen laid hands on Pastor Mark and I and different men and women that I knew had a spirit of prayer on them. I was filled with the Holy Ghost when I was 11 and I've always loved to pray. But I can remember getting under the Word of God and getting around people that they prayed different than I prayed. They prayed with more power and more unction than it seemed like I had in my life. And you know what? That didn't discourage me. It provoked me. And I said, I'm going to get what they've got. I'm going to catch that spirit of prayer. I'm going to seek the Lord. I'm going to spend time in his presence. I'm going to stir myself up. Do you know there's such a thing as impartation that happens when hands are laid upon us. If we come in faith and we come expecting and we say, Lord, I'm going to be stirred today. I'm going to receive that impartation, that spirit of prayer. And I believe I'm going to come to a higher level in my prayer life. It's not going to be a ho-hum. It's not going to be same old, same old. But I'm going to take that impartation of the anointing and I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost. 